Here's Charlene Steinkamp. Right now, you are going through a fire, and you are going through circumstances, and you are having to go through a lot of different situations. And it is not easy, but we need to forgive. To receive eternal life, we must forgive. We need to forgive over and over and over again. How many times am I supposed to forgive, I was thinking. How many times? I've forgiven him for 19 years. So how many times do I have to forgive? And let me take you, Matthew 6. In the Lord's Prayer, it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Verse 10, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So that's pretty, pretty strong. So let's go back to Matthew 18 and look at that scripture. And it says in verse 15, If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Now I'm going to skip down because I started at the wrong verse. But verse 18 says, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Verse 19, the key verse. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. What we did tonight with two or three praying, that's what we did tonight. Where two or three are praying, we're agreeing that anything on earth we ask, it will be done for you. Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. 70 times seven, 490 times. Therefore, the kingdom of God, of heaven, is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servant. And I challenge you to tonight read the rest of the chapter because it gives a story, a parable about this. But the key, what I want you to understand is, how many times are you supposed to forgive your children? How many times are you supposed to forgive your husband or your wife for what they're doing over and over and over again? Because he didn't say once for a year for 70 times seven. He said 70 times seven, over and over. And in, in the concordances, it says, do not keep track, just keep forgiving. And what the, I had done all my married life, when Bob was unfaithful, when Bob did anything wrong, and he was uh, abusive, and, and you've read, I'm sure, many of his books and listened to him teach and write, but the point was he would repent every time either immediately or a day or two later, he would always ask for forgiveness. And I always forgave him. Well, if I forgave him, I should have erased that bulletin board and made it clear and empty. But I didn't. 
because I kept a record of wrongs, which if you go to 1 Corinthians 13, let's go there, because we've got new people here tonight, and I want everybody to know 1 Corinthians 13, which is this is one of the first scriptures the Lord spoke to me that I needed to forgive and I need to love Bob unconditionally. And this was the one of the scriptures that the Lord had us use in our wedding. And I don't know how many of you might have used it also. But verse 4 says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. Now this is what love is in a marriage, okay? It is not proud, it is not rude, it's not self-seeking. This is what love we need to show each other, not only in a marriage, but in a family. It's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. And when the Lord gave me this scripture, that's sort of, I call them rhema words, it sort of lifted off the page and sort of hit me in the face and revealed to me that I had not been showing my husband that love and respect that we've been watching a video about for the last few months. And I didn't show him the respect. I didn't show him the love that I needed because I had kept a record of wrongs. So when he hurt me, I would hurt him back by words and listing. And that's wrong. So may you learn from my mistakes and not do it. I'm sure you've heard devotionals about it. But we need to keep no record of wrongs. It's easy when your kids do things, they'll come and say, Mom, I'm sorry. And when they're little, it's easy. But when they become teenagers or young adults, it's not as easy to say, Oh, that's all right, you know, when they're going and getting into themselves and doing things we don't want them to do. But we need to know how to love them and to help them through their difficulties. So we keep no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil. It's not saying we believe that it's all right to do things wrong. It's not. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres because love never fails. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, remember those words because God is your protector and he wants to protect you right now when you're alone or if you're living with a difficult situation at home he is there to protect you he wants to guide and direct you he wants to help you he wants you to trust him he's got a plan and a purpose and always hope never give up believing that god can do a miracle today or tomorrow or the next day expect miracles expect answers to prayer each and every day. And then last but not least, the word I love, perseverance. We need to run the race. And I tell you, I can't think of a better month when the Olympics are going to be starting in London than to run the race. Do you know what these people have had to do to get prepared to do the races in London? They have had more discipline than probably I could ever have in my lifetime. And that's what we need. God wants us. And he's knocking at our heart's door saying, will you be disciplined? Will you sacrifice your life? You made a marriage. You made a vow. You made a covenant the day you got married. You may not have understood what you did, but I'm going to reveal it to you. And I want you to know that we need to fight for our marriages. 
because God created marriage, and it was beautiful. But the enemy was right there to tempt Eve. And we've got the enemy, and he is out to tempt us and have us fall into sin each and every day in many different ways. So I'm asking you, as I took the girls to the beach after our dinner, I'll get back on track again, I want to, I said, let's go to the beach. Because I remember Bob and I walking along the beach so many times, and we just live a mile from the beach. And I asked the Lord, how could I live a mile from the beach and never go to the beach from one year to the next? So I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to go there more often because it's so beautiful. If you ever have any fear or doubt of how awesome God is, just go and look at all what God's created in the mountains and in the rivers and in the oceans and, and the sand. I read the sand scriptures that night as I'm holding the sand in my hand. But our girls, I said, okay, we're going to dedicate this beach, so let's make hearts. And we put 7787, we put Bob and Charlene, and I took pictures on my little uh, phone, and I thought I could get Tim to put it up there, and we were there too late, and it didn't show deep enough, and they'd go it deeper, and we had a ball. And I said, this is, Grandpa's looking down, probably saying, there they are, the crazy girls, just making the, the hearts in the sand. But I felt like a kid when Bob and I were dating and when we got married, and I had our old and special time. So anyway, the bottom line is, are you willing to do that um, even after your husband leaves and your wife leaves? Are you willing to stand in the gap? That's what we need to do. We need to stand in the gap. And the first key to restoration is, do I know that I know the Lord Jesus Christ? And I thought I really knew my Lord, but did I talk to him every day? Did I read the Bible every day? Did I study the word like I need to do? No, I didn't. I did it regularly, off and on. I, and I taught Sunday school and did different things, but I was not the prayer warrior that I am today. I'm not the prayer warrior I was even back then. I mean, when I lived and ate every second as much as I could, even with having three children responsible for everything, um, I stayed up late and I studied the word and I said, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me. I. I didn't have the covenant transport trucks like you read on Saturdays, people. So I know that covenant transport trucks and the swift trucks and all the restoration um, trucks that we have seen, I've, I didn't have it that way. I said, Lord, you have to speak to me. So I screamed and I said, Lord, write it on the wall because I can't hear you. I did not believe or know that God does speak. And that's number one. God does speak to his children. He created every one of us, and he wants to have a personal relationship with you. He wants you to talk to him throughout the day. If you lost your keys, don't ask your wife or your kids where the keys are. Ask the Lord. He will show you much quicker. And that is the way I have lived for the last 25 years. I just talked to him all the time about everything because my husband was gone. And in 1985, he left in July, and but two years later, suddenly, he came home on that July 7th when he knocked at the door at my window and then said, I want you to stop praying for me. 
do not, do not pray for me anymore. I cannot handle it. You're tormenting me. And I said, I'm not tormenting you. I'm not calling you. I'm not doing anything. And then I just, I did not have any phone to text everybody to pray because my husband is here and something's happening. I didn't have all those things. That's good because I had to rely on my Lord. And that's what happened. So we need to know that we know that everyone in this room knows the Lord Jesus Christ. Our little sticky on our website is, um, on the front page, is important, very important. And it's saying, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Because he is the answer. And he died on the cross for our sins. And I pray that if you don't know the Lord tonight, like I'm talking about, to please see us afterwards and let us pray with you because he can help you. He can change your life. And we're just asking that tonight there will be people that really will surrender their heart and life to saying, I need to go to that level that you're talking about. I've known Jesus about him, but I don't know him in my heart personally. In Matthew chapter 1, I'm going to read. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That is what we're going to believe, that he, Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, is going to save and rescue your husband or wife from their sins. So regardless of what they're doing, they, the Lord was sent by God to rescue them. And that's what we've got to know, that he is going to save his people that he created. And let's go to John chapter 3. And these are some of the verses that you may know or you may not know. For John chapter 3, it says, verse 3, it says, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. But verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So are you talking through the, to the Lord throughout the day? Do you ask him questions? If you have questions, ask him. He will answer you. He will show you his will, his way. He will talk to you like never before. And yes, you're going to have to get to learn the enemy's voice and the world's voice of, of the thoughts that you have compared to the Lord's voice. And it's soft, it's gentle, it's loving. But he will talk to you louder and louder. If you say, Lord, I can't hear you, let me hear you. Let me learn to recognize your voice. And he will do that for you. In fact, I wrote questions down in a book and just wrote questions. You know, how do you see my husband? Well, I saw him as being unfaithful and having um, other relationships with other women and and then, sooner or later, he found out that he was going to uh, plan a marriage with one of them. And so I did not see him as a healthy, strong Christian man who had been called into ministry several years before and, and had finished his education. So I asked the Lord, how did he see him? In Luke 1, 15, 
the Lord had that scripture. I opened up my Bible to Luke 1, and it said, Luke 1, 15, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And I said, Lord, that you have really a sense of humor since my husband is doing what he's doing and talking about all these things that he's going to be doing and our kids are going to be exposed to. And on my Bible that I had at that very time, it was literally Luke 1 is opened on the same page. And Luke 1.37 just seemed to be highlighted. And it says, for nothing is impossible with God. And I said, how can I believe that? I just, I'm divorced. I, I'm, I'm hurting. I, I, I don't have the pain's not gone away. I should be having no pain. He's gone. He's got his freedom. Why am I hurting? And the Lord kept saying I needed to forgive him. And the Lord loved me so much that he gave me verse 145. He was really emphasizing Luke chapter 1 and Luke 145 is, Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Bob, he gave me other scriptures about Bob. And, and he said I needed to believe what he was telling me. And I had to wait. And I didn't understand it at all. And I sort of put it aside. But two months later, after I, um, our divorce, I, the Lord loved me so much, as he loves you so much, is that he speaks to you in, in many different ways, by different programs, by different CDs, or different, many different ways. Covenant, keep, Covenant Transport Trucks is high on the list right now. To emphasize, you got a covenant. And so, uh, especially the ones that when you read these testimonies, they've just prayed, say, speak to me today, and God then does it. And uh, so, the bottom line is, um, God sent a restored couple to our church on a Sunday that I didn't know anything about, didn't know their testimony, and God shared their testimony that her husband was unfaithful for five years, an alcoholic, abusive, beat her up many times in the hospital and worse than Bob. And I thought, wow, he's worse than Bob, you know. But here he is praising the Lord and, and sharing and draw, going all around, Pauline and Downing. And so they traveled all over to churches sharing to not get divorced because back 25 years ago, it was really an epidemic just starting and they were, they were burdened about it. So anyway... The Lord touched me, and that night when I called Bob that afternoon, I said, you know what? Forgive me, because I should have never divorced you. And I said, I wish you would come here, this couple. We've never heard a testimony like this. And this is the answer. We've got the answer. And so let's turn to Isaiah. And um, what we need to do is believe in the power of God. And I didn't believe in the power of God until they started sharing their story. And all of a sudden, when you hear a testimony of God doing enormous things in a couple's life, all of a sudden, you get hope and encouragement. In Isaiah chapter 40, I'm going to ask you, how big is your God? Because my God was not big enough that I thought he could restore and rebuild a marriage. But let me take you to Isaiah chapter 40, verse starting with verse 26. And this is where we're going to start. It says, or verse 25, To whom will you compare me, 
or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift your eyes and look to the heavens, who created all these things, who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls each of the stars he's talking about by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. But here's the secret. He gives strength to the weary, and he'll increase the power of the weak, and even youth who grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But verse 31 is the key. Here's the word hope. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Isaiah 40, verses 25 to 31. So where do you get your hope from? You get it from the mighty, awesome God who created the heavens and the earth, and he wants you to believe that if he counted the stars and knows them by name, if he created all the sand that he knows all about the sand that's in the Bible, I could spend a full day at a conference with just all what I learned and started preparing with doing this because nothing is too hard for God. In Genesis 18, 14, it says, is anything too hard for the Lord? He provided redemption for his people. He sent his only son. He ordained it. So let's turn to 111, Psalm 111, verses 9 and 10. And like I said, if you just want to write down these scriptures and look them up later, that will probably be easier for you. But Psalm 111, verses 9 and 10 says, He provided redemption for his people. That's your spouse and children and loved ones that don't know the Lord. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. In verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. Do you know what the secret is for your husband or wife to have the fear of God come upon them? And in his own personal way, if they would fear God, if they would believe that God who created the heavens and the earth, there are so many men and women in this room and around the world that were Christians, that were men of God, that were leaders of the choirs and singers and, and everything, and they walked away from God, just like Lucifer. You know, we've got to understand that we must never become we're so um, that we don't fear God, that we want to honor God. God's a jealous God, and he wants nobody before him. So we need to understand that, and that's why I brought that scripture up. And let's go to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And we need to understand to fear God is not a bad thing, but... I'm not going to teach about prayer tonight in the fact, but the epistles of Ephesians, you can pray Ephesians 3, 1 
16 through 20, Ephesians 3, 16 through 20. And then you can go to Ephesians 4, Ephesians 6 with the armor of God. There are so many different ways that when I ran out of words and I didn't even know how to pray, I felt the right way. When I divorced Bob, I think, how can I pray? I, I didn't even know to hear the Lord right. Then I gave up on God. I gave up on Bob. And so Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do, and this is talking about God, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. How big is your God? Our God created the heavens and the earth. Our God created where the beach was. This, the water stopped at the seashore line. And it knew to stop because God has told it and commanded it to do. The moon knows to come out. The sun knows when to come out. God has created everything. And we have got to come and know that we're coming before a holy God that can do anything if we're in his will and his way. So we need to say, Lord, show me, guide me, direct me, speak to me. God created marriage. So there's not much of a doubt that we need to know that, that he wants us to be married. The Lord said in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, the Lord said, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. In Matthew 19, and many of you people know Matthew 19. It says, so in verse 3, some Pharisees came to Jesus to test him. And remember, it was to test him. Matthew 19. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? And verse 4 says, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the creator made the male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh, so they're no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. You know what? We're not supposed to get divorced. It says, why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? And Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. There I am. There I was. And there are many of us that in the churches and around the world have allowed the circumstances of, of marriage to harden our hearts instead of going to our Lord and forgiving and forgiving and asking the Lord to heal, rebuild, and reconstruct the solid foundation of our Lord and rebuild our marriage on the solid foundation of our Lord Jesus Christ instead of the sand, which all of a sudden will crash. Your house will just fall apart. He says, I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except her for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. And the disciples said to him, if this is the situation between a husband and wife, it is better not to marry. And so he says, but not everyone can accept this word. And it goes on. But I'm trying to teach you and, and say in Malachi chapter 2 that many of you also know 
that he says in only one place in the Bible, he says, I hate divorce. And that's in Malachi chapter 2. So if he hates it, I want to hate it. And I know many, many millions of families hate it for what it's done to our children and to our generations that pass on one generation to another, divorce. And it says, I hate divorce, says the Lord in chapter verse 16. I hate a man covering himself with violence as well as with his garment, says the Lord Almighty. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith. God has a plan and a purpose for your life, for your marriage, regardless of your marriage status right now, regardless of your marriage circumstances right now. And God will see your tears. He hears your, your, your um, moaning, your groaning, your pleading, your begging to say, Lord, help me. What do I need to do? My husband, my wife will not even talk to me. I, I, I don't even know where they are. Some of you people don't even know where they are. They have built a wall of no communication. And we have horrible stories we could tell you about the children, not the fathers not able to see their children for years. So I know how bad divorce can be. And I know we have more men now than we've ever had men in our ministry and in this room. And I just praise God because the men are standing up and saying, I'm going to fight for my marriage and I'm going to not give up and give in because I don't want to lose all that. I, I don't want to be outside in my family inside. And regardless what I have done, which I may have done nothing, my wife has been blinded and deceived. And the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And we need to understand that there is a spiritual battle that's going on. You've been listening to Charlene Steinkamp. You can write the Steinkamps at P.O. Box 10548, Papano Beach, Florida, 33061. The Steinkamps also invite you to visit their website at rejoiceministries.org.